Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Their pitch is a women's football podcast in collaboration with Adidas Football. Hello and welcome to another episode of Their Pitch Euro 2022 special. We are doing this recording the morning after Sweden has won against Belgium with 1-0. Uh, and um, as usual, me and Willy are joined by two guests today. Uh, and uh, one from Iceland and one from England. So uh, we're going to start with uh, the Iceland one. And... Uh, Introduce yourself and tell us how are you doing this morning after Sweden's win versus Belgium? Uh, yeah, my name is Orirap Sjöresson. As you said, I'm from Iceland, uh, but I'm currently living in Denmark where I'm studying sport management. Uh, I've been working as a sports reporter and a sports uh, commentator for a while now. So, and I'm a big fan of women football, so it's a big honor for me to come and be on your podcast. Uh, but I'm just happy that Sweden got the win yesterday because as you know Belgium was with Iceland in the groups and they went on but Iceland didn't so I'm just happy that Sweden finished the job for us well that's that's another way to look at it <laughs> let's go with that yeah. uh, and uh, good morning England and Luke good morning I'm Luke Wright I'm the current analyst at Manchester United women's team um, I'm going to be entering my fourth season now Uh, before that, I was actually at Bristol. Uh, Willie Kirk brought me into the game, so I'm very thankful for that. Um, so yeah, I've had a, a good amount of experience in the women's game. Uh, still learning, but after yesterday's game, I learned quite a bit as well. I was actually gunning a little bit for Belgium because I do like an underdog. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was nice to say. It will be an interesting game, Sweden-England next, so then and enjoy the next few games. Yeah, hopefully we, we will, all of us, uh, in in some ways. Uh, Willie, you you were at the game last night, right? Yeah, I was at the game. It was a good game for the neutral, fascinating game in terms of, as Luke says, an underdog against someone who I think everybody expected to to go through Sweden. But the teams looked a lot more evenly matched than anybody had anticipated. Sweden were still the dominant team, but Belgium looked looked very very dangerous at times, and. Uh, And yeah, they, they, it was getting quite nervous, I think, for the Swedes. But he got through there, and you know, I'd rather get a, have a bad performance and win and knock out football than a good performance and, and go out regardless. So uh, yeah, maybe that maybe that's the one bad performance that that they're allowed this this tournament. Yeah, and we we said yesterday that knockout stage, uh, the knockout stage of a tournament is completely different from the group stage. Sure, but but uh, Ori, let's let's touch on on the fact that Belgium was in uh, Iceland's group, uh, and I mean, I I for one think that Iceland and Austria and Belgium, you you have to give it to them because it's it's just. I mean, it's kind of heartwarming to watch them play football because they play so collectively. And and we haven't touched on Iceland that much in in this tournament so far in this podcast. What what does Iceland think of Iceland's performance uh, in this tournament? Most of us, or like most of the people in Iceland, are happy that they didn't lose any game. Uh, they are happy with the performance and it's a big tournament and we are a little Iceland and stuff like that because we're only like 350,000. But personally, I thought this group stage was a disappointment because we should win against teams like Belgium. Uh, we should be a better football team than Belgium. We are on a pair with Italy, I think. And, uh, and the game against France, yeah, that game was... They changed what six people, six six players out. So, uh, but I'm happy to take the point there. But yes, and overall, it's it's a mixed feeling. We are both happy, uh, but 
uh, we feel like the team played or underperformed, basically. Luke, do you think that Belgium, the Belgium, uh, Belgium players, has the same feeling today? Like we're happy about our performance, but yeah, I think I'd be happy. Obviously, be good to go out. I thought they actually did really well in terms of even the build phase. They was very brave in possession. There's very aggressive out of possession. Um, they can hold their heads up high. I was reading articles and they was they was even happy to be through the last round to get to play Sweden. Um, so to put in a performance like that, they could definitely be happy with it. Um, just be a little gutted that they didn't get that final push and it was a last minute kind of goal. Yeah, it really was a last minute uh, goal. <laughs> so let's just go through this, Willie, because we we have spoken a lot about Sweden on this podcast, obviously, because we 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 like Sweden here. <laughs> but <laughs> let's start with the the team selection yesterday. We we spoke a little bit about the fact that. These players absent due to COVID could have forced Sweden into go to go all attack, but they didn't. Yeah, so disappointed with the starting lineup after what we spoke about yesterday. I thought it was a real easy way for him to to make attacking changes and really go at Belgium and be that dominant team. And you know what? Really back up that advertising campaign that Adidas done. You know, we are Sweden. This is how it beat us. We're formidable. You know, really non-Swedish, but I think we all quite liked it. And we thought, yeah, this is what we need. We need to stop being like too conservative, and we actually need to tell the world how good we are. And and I, I really liked it, but I don't think the team selections have matched that campaign. And I would imagine now, looking back, when that campaign got announced, the manager was a little bit. Oh no, you're putting me under too much pressure here to go. <laughs> because uh, yeah, the, I thought I thought the lineup could have been a lot different. I, I I think that I think it's screaming out to play three at the back in terms of the personnel they've got. You know, let Ericsson get forward from the side of your back three. Uh, obviously, Elisted being moved out the centre, I think disrupted things a little bit in the back line, but. I just thought it was a real opportunity to be attacking and yeah, we never we never quite saw that last night. Yeah, Luke, how familiar are you with the Swedish team and, and from the the lineup you saw yesterday, what what did you make of Sweden? Probably not as familiar as, as both for you. Um no, I get I get the reasoning for playing a back three like Willie said. It could be a lot a lot wider with with the win backs. Um, I thought there was watching the game live last night. I thought there was quite exposed. There was a lot of disconnection between the midfields and forward line, which then showed with the defence being exposed and, and transition. Um, Aslani was picking up lovely pockets, but then there was no connection with Blackstinius. So I was watching the game live, and Steena was making some phenomenal runs, but she was she never getting the ammunition. Um, to fire she she was a bit isolated at times um, I, I just don't think as a team that was connected there was no real links there um, I don't know what you thought but that was my views watching it live it was kind of individual yes, yesterday which I wasn't kind of expecting yeah and, and you mentioned this already before we, we started recording that Sweden looks uh, quite differently without um their captain, Caroline Seger, and she didn't play one minute last night. Tell us what you, with you, your thoughts about that. Yeah. First of all, I totally agree with the other two, uh, with the three in the back and how the team was just performing, like they didn't link together. But when you have Caroline Seger on the pitch, it's just like Sweden is a completely different team because he controls the, the games, he controls the tempos, he's just a leader on and off the field. Uh, and yesterday, I thought, uh, I have that feeling like they were panicking a little bit, especially in the in the uh, around the box when they were trying to create something. And instead of just taking a little bit of extra time, try to find the right passes, right spaces, uh, they were forcing some individual maybe uh, performances and and trying to just score the goal as fast as possible. But I think Belgium were doing well as well. We cannot take anything from them and. From the Swedish point of view, maybe uh, they were playing against one of the best goalkeepers in the world yesterday <laughs> in the way she performed. 
So, but I think Sweden, they need Karolin Seger. Uh, I know she's getting old and she's not <laughs> as fast or, or anything anymore, but she's just such a good footballer and she can control the games. And in games like these in crunch moments, she's a fantastic player. Yeah, Willie, uh, let's, let's just pick up on that uh, because Natalie Bjorn, she was, she is Sweden's number six when, when, uh, Caroline Seger isn't on the pitch. What what is your take on that? Yeah, I thought I thought Natalie was certainly one of the Swedish players that impressed last night. I thought although she's seen as a she's seen as a defensive minded six, pretty much every pass she plays is forward. She has a high percentage of forward passes. She's always looking forward. There was even once I could see that she was looking, she she played a sideways pass, but she'd looked forward and there was just nothing on. So, yeah, it, it's it's a really interesting one because although Nat, uh, Nat did really well last night, Segar, just her being on the pitch, it's like it's like mum's on the pitch and mum's got to look after us. And if things are not going well, mum will help us and sort it out. So she'll push you over the line, basically. Yeah, yeah she'll tell yeah. you off when you're not doing well, but she'll support you. Uh, she'll support you at the right times. She's so important. Very few teams have got such an influential person. And I, th- I actually think she's probably been really important. I-, I see her at the side of the pitch and when they have water breaks, she's the first one to the touchline with water f- and advice for her, for her teammates. And she's really important in terms of that. And that also gives me a little bit of a worry because how many years does she have left on the pitch? And it's probably the first thing that I'd be doing if I was a Swede manager is to include her in the backroom staff when she finishes playing because she's so important. And uh, yeah, as much as... And, and I actually thought Philippa Angeldow had a, a decent game last night in terms of she looked like she was trying to make things happen. But yeah, there's just some seems to be something missing when when Sega's yeah, and, not there. And Luke, you you said it also that the the Swedish team looked disjointed. So so even if players do well individually uh, in their roles and and their positions, uh, could there be uh, the fact that that Sweden is missing their captain uh, in that way that makes it look like this? Yeah, definitely. She she could be like the glue in the team, even when players aren't sure about their roles and responsibilities. She'd definitely be a player to to tell them on the pitch, almost a manager on the pitch. Um, like Willie was saying, I was watching her on the on the sideline, and she was cheering every pass. She was giving tactical advice to players, um, helping as much as she could on the sideline. But maybe it would have been more beneficial to have her on the pitch and influencing it that way. Because um, there was a few times I was watching that Belgium were playing through very easily from the back and the Swedish players were a bit unsure about their roles roles to stop it um, obviously Belgium didn't have that much of the ball but when they did they found it quite easy to play for them and I, I definitely think a player of her experience can definitely organise it on the pitch and prevent things like that happening Yeah and, and it's I mean it's fascinating that one player in, in a team sport can be so important but at the same time it's it's nothing strange uh from the way sweden have has been playing uh, the last few years but but the thing is also that the the covid situation i mean it must affect sweden in some way um i mean we can talk all we want about being flexible and use a back four or a back three and we have a lot of defenders but to me yesterday also um it looked like Fridolina Rolfa, she she had to track back um or had to but it felt like it felt like she felt that she had to track back uh, a lot and and was uh, she had to ask questions uh, about her own performance um in in media last night uh, or uh, what what do you think of a player like Fridolina Rolfa uh, she's a great player one of my favorites uh her her actually and, and Bjorn uh, in the Swedish team I think yesterday Rofo did okay like she was doing well uh, she was trying to help in the back because like you said it was like she felt like she had to do that I'm not used to seeing her <laughs> picking up the ball uh, or recover it many times but I think like 
many players in the Swedish team were a little bit maybe confused about uh, the strategy and their role yesterday because of, for example, the COVID situation and the changes in the back and stuff like that. But I think she did well yesterday. Yeah, and Willie, she she was actually she was taking such a deep run to track back uh, one time last night. I saw that clip again where she just took the ball from a Belgium attacker down by Sweden's own sideline, like behind the goal almost. Uh, do you think that, that a player like Fridolina Rolfe should be down there? She should be down there if she's left wing back. And I think she should have been left wing back. But yeah, probably as, as your as your wide left of a you know a forward three or forward four, she probably shouldn't be. But I just I think she's had quite a poor tournament in relation to her club performances over the last two years. I think her first season at Wolfs- her last season at Wolfsburg and her first season at Barcelona, she's been exceptional. I, th- I really like her. I think she's a top top player, and I just don't think that's transferred into the Euros and I, I thought her body language was quite poor last night I thought there was once in the first half she blasted a player and I'm not actually sure if she was the right pass and then in the second half I don't know if it was because of the defensive work and she felt she couldn't then be as influential in the attacking phase but I just thought her body language was was there was something wrong and I don't know what it was because I've never seen that before she's such a energy she doesn't look like she's got energy so it could be the fact that she's had two top top seasons at the highest level and and she's maybe just fatigued but she she I certainly think the Swedish squad have players on the bench who should have been on that pitch last night earlier uh, Lena Hurtig and and I think Rebecca Blomquist has been very unfortunate not to be on the pitch more often Yeah, because Rebecca Blomqvist seems like a hungry player at the moment. Um, Luke, Tony Gustafsson, who is the head coach of Australia's uh, women's national team, said uh, during the game last night when doing punditry that um, um, he he found it very interesting because Fridolina Rofa has been playing left back. That's a position. Of course, Barcelona is a much more attacking team and they, they have the ball in a different way than Sweden. But in Sweden, she, she gets to receive the ball more uh, with her back to, towards the opponent. And when playing a full season with Barcelona and then coming to Sweden, uh, this could be a factor. Um, Do, would you? What do you say about that take? It's an interesting take. What what I saw yesterday is, is actually Belgium did a good job on her. Uh, they stopped inside. I know Julie Beesman's came across a lot to stop her driving inside, and she had to rely on Amanda Nilden uh, a lot overlapping, which probably took out a bit of her expressive traits. She had a few pot shots. Uh, you know, a good a, a good a left foot is. Uh, turns it back to goal. Uh, you need to find a way against teams like Belgium that are. Tough to break down when it's back to goal. She maybe needs to adjust the position slightly herself rather than rely on what the coach is saying. Uh, but like Willie said, she looked tired. She looked lethargic at times. Probably not what you're used to. Um, obviously, at Barcelona, getting to the Champions League final, playing a lot of games, that could have a, a factor. But yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. I, I just think as a, as a whole squad, they didn't really look up for the game as much as I've seen them in the past. I don't know whether you agree or not, but... Yeah, I was expecting a more lively Sweden. And like Willie said, maybe a few changes could have freshened it up a bit. Saw Hannah Benison coming on um, later on in the game with a bit of, bit of energy. Um, maybe, maybe if they started with that, they could have called Belgium a few more problems. But then I'm not a manager, so I'm sure he has his experience. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I think uh, there were more people wondering why why the subs uh, didn't get on, um, but it it worked out in the end. Uh, but also, I mean, it's it, it's not a like surprise that Sweden struggles versus low low um, compact block like this and and. Uh, it's going to be a completely different game for Sweden be, uh, going up against England, who they will be playing their semi-final against. And Willie, um, 
what what do Sweden need to improve uh, like w- one or two details that they need to improve um in order to stop England uh, and if uh, Hanna Glas and Jonna Andersson uh, isn't going to be able to play uh, this game uh, what do you think that could make or break for Sweden yeah, I think I think if, if Hannah Glass and Jon Anderson don't make it, I still think they can go to a back three because I think I think Natalie Bjorn just drops into the back line and it gives them a little bit more uh, security there. And then you can possibly you can possibly get Nilden forward a little bit more. Rolfo can possibly be a little bit more central in a freer role. Yeah, you you know what. Just going back to your point about it's not a sh- it's not a shock that they didn't break Belgium down. I, I don't see why they should be in that position where they can't break teams down because they've got so many different types of forward players. You could go direct to Rolfo or Hurtig, you know, with Diags. You can try and play around them, and you don't need much space in behind to get Rita and in behind with her pace because she's so so explosive and quick. So I think they've got the players that they can play against a low block, you know, a, a, a counter team, you know, whatever they come up against. Uh, so, yeah, I, I find that very surprising. And I don't think, I think there's a disconnect between the noise before the tournament and the way the squad, not necessarily the squad, the manager is. I, I think there's maybe been an issue with this whole thing in terms of this advertising campaign, really bold, and then a manager who's not bold. And it becomes a real disconnect because the players are probably up for the whole Adidas, yet we are Sweden, we're going to do this. But then if the manager's not, the players and the manager become disconnected in terms of their mentalities. And, and that can actually have, a, have an impact on the fatigue element because you've got different energies working against each other. So I think that's quite interesting. England will be completely different. They will not sign a certain low block. Uh, and and I think Sweden will probably have a more improved performance because there will be more space in certain areas of the pitch. Uh, I, I, I do worry for them if, if Sembrandt and Eriksson have the same type of performance. If the gaps between the lines are as big as last night. I think Luke said it about the disconnect uh, in between the front line, the midfield uh, two and the and the back line. If they if they do that against England, they will be they will be massively punished because as soon as you allow that first pass after a turnover, they will then find Hemp or they'll find a Mead or a Kelly who's on the pitch at the time. So they they need to make sure that they are a lot better in transitions in terms of getting units closer together so when they do lose the ball they can they can immediately get pressure on it because if they allow England that first pass I, th- I think they'll kill them so transitions have to be better yeah for sure i mean uh i i do think that England should enter uh, the semi final as huge favorites and in in some way, I'm I'm also I I do think that England looked very dangerous with the, your players on the pitch. Look, Ella Toon and <laughs> Alessia Russo, uh, they did very well. Um, and and uh, seeing the Swedish backline, it's going to be interesting and uh, to, to to watch watch them versus these players. Um, speaking about Ella Thun and Alessia Russo, what, what, do you, what do you think of their performance so far in the tournament? Yeah, as impact players, they've done very well. Obviously, we've got Mary Earps as well, who's been probably one of the best keepers at the tournament in terms of just keeping things ticking over. Games where there hasn't been as many chances, she's done well to keep them out. Um, Alessia Russo, when she's come on, she's bullied teams. I noticed that. Obviously, the, the Spain players and staff weren't happy with the goal, but I just thought she was a lot stronger than the centre-halves. Um, and Ella Toon's anticipation for the goal was fantastic. There's still some things, as an analyst, and what we think they can clean up, but they're still very young. They've got such great futures ahead of them. Um, and their energy and the different qualities they bring to the pitch is what England needed. Um, Serena's substitutions... Um, in comparison with the Spain managers was, was phenomenal. Um, 
But yeah, it's just going to be interesting. I think, I do think, I'll keep going on about the press, but I do think if they allow Kira to receive that ball and face forward, I don't think it would be a good night for Sweden at all. Um, if they could get that right and if they can start connecting. Um, but we, we can't look too far, both nations. I think both nations may be guilty of thinking we've won the tournament already. I think definitely for Sweden, being the, the highest ranked team in the competition could pose a bit of a mental block. Um, potentially why you're seeing players mentally, men, maybe mentally fatigued. Um, but sorry to to quote Abba, but I don't think the winner takes it all in that semi-final. I think you've still got to look ahead. You've got you've got France, Germany and, and Holland as well. So one game at a time. Yeah, the, 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 fa- the famous words, one game at a time. Uh, obviously, it's going to be a, a new game and a new chance for, for both teams uh, on Tuesday to to like get going. But as my Nordic uh, Patriot <laughs> on this podcast now, Ori, what, what do you what do you think uh, of Sweden's uh, chances against England? The thing is that England, they have just a big momentum right now uh, and they're playing fantastic, uh, fantastic football and they have the fans with them as well. Uh, I think Sweden, or I feel like Sweden have underperformed a little bit in this tournament and if they keep performing like they have been performing, they're going to get butchered. Uh, against England, uh, I want, really want Sweden to get to the final. But I think, like uh, William and Luke are saying, like they're gonna have some problems. They have to close down some spaces and uh, close down the the big players that can create something for the England side. Uh, but everything is possible in football, so you just have to believe. And if Sweden can finally connect. And just find the rhythm again, like the Swedish rhythm, uh, they can get some results, but the chances are not high. No, and we like to be underdogs, I've, I've been told. So, uh, Luke, Luke likes it as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Willie, um, <laughs> let, let's make this into a question. Um, how to stop England for Sweden? If you would have been the Swedish head coach, uh, formation and, and choice of players versus England, before we end this? I would go back three, possibly back five. I think I think that way you can also try and do a job on Kira Walsh. Uh, for me, the most important thing is if you if you're not going to stop Kira Walsh getting the ball, you may as well just sit off the whole game and try and kill the space behind and almost turn into a Belgium like last night. Uh, because Sweden have got players that will hurt you on the break as well. So if Sweden want to just turn into a counter-attacking team, Tuesday could be the time to do it. Uh, so yeah, I think you've got you've got you either go really high and you stop Walsh getting the ball. Because if England have to go long, Sweden have got the defenders that that should be able to win the first ball. It's then about how lively your midfield is to pick up the seconds. Uh, but if you're not going to press high and stop Walsh getting the ball, because I think I said before in the podcast, if Walsh gets the ball, she'll still get out the tight space. It's about stopping the ball into Walsh, which is more important. Uh, so if they're not going to do that, they just need to sit off and have a low block, suck up pressure and go and try and hit them hit them on the break where Blackstenius runs with uh, everything Canard keeps a place in the team. Uh, and then back that up as quickly as possible, and that's your time to go and play in England's half. Uh, we have to touch. I, I'm going to ask you this question, Luke, uh, as well, because will England have an advantage of the fact that they will have rested 48 hours longer than Sweden from the look uh, of the Swedish players um, after the finals final whistle last night? Yeah, definitely helps. England, England did play extra time, uh, so they've had a few more minutes on the pitch. But yeah, it definitely will help. Like as I, as I said before, mentally to just reset and recharge. Um, the Sweden staff will now have to work again to try and get up to speed. While England staff would have probably already prepped a lot for for the Swedish team, um, especially last night's game. But yeah, that it, it will help. There's no doubt about that. We'll just have to see if, if Sweden could just carry on. Um, with the England team as well, they haven't really changed much in terms of the starting eleven. So whether they could keep going and going and going, 
uh, at the pace they've been doing. Because I think against Spain, actually, there's times where their intensity was really good. You know, Georgia Stanway. If England can maintain that, um, then yeah, I think a tired Sweden team won't be able to really keep up. And I'm sorry to say that because I do like Sweden as a nation and as a team. <laughs> don't don't feel forced to say that just think, because this yeah. is no, 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 no. I do. Like, they've got a very uh, a lot of very good players. I do enjoy watching them when they're on it. Um, but I just I just think England probably have a bit too much physically and and how they're playing. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you like football, you will like England. Uh, you will like to watch England play football right now because it's it's massive and it's great. And but uh, I mean, what I meant with before by saying that I, I'm not surprised yet surprised that Sweden can't uh, break up a low block because we've seen it after the Olympics, like even in in. Uh, World Cup qualifier versus, I think it was Georgia. Um, first game four nil, and they were struggling a lot to to break through. And then they played Ireland in in one of the last games that was a one one draw, but that was the same thing. Um, so I think they won against Ireland one nil. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sorry. Um, so it's yeah, it's it's no surprise that that it's. Uh, it it can look like this, even though it's not fun to to see. So let's see if we will get a back three and maybe Fridolina Rolfa's left wing back <laughs> on Tuesday because that would be interesting to see. Uh, or you get the final word uh, on this part uh, of this episode um, about Sweden versus Belgium uh, prediction: Sweden England Tuesday Bramall Lane. <sighs> Minority blood wants to say 2-1 for Sweden, but I think it's going to be an English uh, victory. I'm going to say 3-1 England, unfortunately, Mia. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I can take that. <laughs> That's fine. But I'm hoping for a Swedish win. Yeah, heart versus uh, brain or, yeah. or something. Um, it, we, we have to be uh, like realistic as well, but... Um, let's end this section of, of this podcast episode with, with those words. And uh, thank you, Luke and Ori, for being with us. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you very much for having us. Been enjoyable. Um, and Willie, we will be back to review the last quarterfinal, uh, the Netherlands versus France, um, in a bit. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
you thought that the Netherlands actually did pretty well. I probably thought it was their strongest performance, zero, zero to ninety or zero to one hundred and twenty. It was their strongest performance in terms of consistency, togetherness. They never actually looked like a team in transition last night. Whereas since Marks come in, they've looked a little bit lost at times, but they 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 looked as if they had a fairly clear game plan. Uh, yeah, I, I actually thought they were going to win. I, I just had a feeling that. The longer it was going on and France were getting a little bit frustrated, I felt that one chance was going to fall to Viv and she would take it. I mean, one chance did fall to her and she didn't take it. But uh, I thought there was, she was going to get another another chance and there was a couple of opportunities towards the end of the game and an extra time where just, you know, inches away from a good through ball or, or a cutback falling to somebody where they could take it first time. So uh, it, was, it was a fantastic game, but I thought Netherlands... Uh, Bizarrely, had the strongest performance and lost. Yeah, it, it it's pretty interesting as well because it was kind of two like two halves, and and the the fact is that the Swedish commentators on TV in Sweden they said that this is actually kind of typical France because they often play their best football in the first half and then you can see them just not in the second half. But I do I I'm kind of curious on what you. Think about Willis' take on this because I I saw your tweets. I can't I can't go back on it now. I can't pretend. Um. So yeah, I I, I think the tale of two halves is is a correct thing. I think France really lost a lot of control in the second half, and and that's where you can kind of see Netherlands coming at them. I don't know. I just found it a, a pretty frustrating performance from the Netherlands. Maybe in the context of their tournament as a whole, I think. Yeah, actually, you could say it was maybe their most impressive because I think a lot of their performances have been frustrating. I just think that in terms of what they wanted to do, it didn't quite come together in the way that they needed it to in order to really give themselves the advantage versus France. Um, maybe I'm still a bit too fresh off watching it because I, I watched it this morning in preparation for the pod. It was the first time I really got to watch it. Um, you, you know what my sleep problems have been like, so I just fell asleep when, when the game was live. Um, so I, I watched it this morning and, and what I saw was, I think there was a decent idea, right? Like, which is what, what is the main thing with France and how they've been destroying everyone in this tournament so far, right? It's two, two fundamental things. I mean, it's a lot of things, but two fundamental, fundamental things are the wide combinations, right? How do you stop those? I think they by far had the best wide combinations out of any team in the tournament. And then the big switches of play, which is if you congest one side of the pitch, Wendy Renard is just going to be like, okay, I'm going to play a big switch the other side to Diani, who's going to go one versus one and kill you. And, and, and that's basically all they've needed up until this point in order to, in order to get the results that they needed and create the chances that they needed. And what I saw from the Netherlands, and from Parsons was kind of two main things. Um, one is, is let's go like player to player kind of orientations in midfield, right? Like let, let's try to really shut down the movement and the ability to receive in time and space from Gayoro and Toletti, especially, but also it was a little bit on the, on the pivot Bilbo. And then the other thing was, especially on the left-hand side, maybe let's have Miedema go on to Renard and let's try to cut off the ability to switch to the far side and I just didn't feel like it quite come together. I mean, I had a couple of examples in my thread where in terms of, you know, how the, the player orientations, France, I thought manipulated them somewhat easily in terms of when the ball went wide to the right, the pass from the fullback into, in between the lines was always there because the midfielders had been pulled. I thought um, Spitza had a tough time screening because she had, she had a player orientation and then she didn't necessarily know, I wonder why I come off that and, and be the only player really who's between the lines to stop that ball. And the other thing is, and I realized this afterwards, which I, I should have known, but, or I should have remembered, but Miedema had just recovered from COVID, right? And so her role in terms of being the one to cut off access to Renard, like it was too much for her on the day. Like within five minutes, it was pretty clear. She was like, I don't know how much I'm going to commit to like all this defensive work and then be the main player in transition. who's making everything happen. And with all of that, I just felt it didn't quite come together to, to, to do what they could to their potential in terms of stopping France. I mean, we, we can talk about, you know, whether France played to their potential, how tough the game was when it moved on later on. But ultimately, I think they created more than enough chances to go through and, and Netherlands started to rely on their keeper to keep them in it. So I don't know if that's that's too harsh or not, but but that's kind of how I feel about it. And maybe this is just a culmination of everything I've seen with them in terms of this tournament. And maybe the last year or so, because I've been watching them since then, where I'm just like, 
is this the Netherlands that existed beforehand and, and how, how does that happen? But again, they've been in a really tough situation, COVID, everything. So um, maybe I'll feel differently a week later, but that's how I feel now. We can speak uh, in a week again to to see. But Willie, Om just mentioned the fact that uh, Viviana Miedema just recovered from from COVID and she actually played 120 minutes. And uh, looking at what, what Om just said about um, the intensity uh, in those areas when when France had the ball and when they lost it and, and sort of, do you think... As a coach, would you have played her 120 minutes like that, looking at the game? Because she's Vivian Medema, and she is the one player who can get something out of nothing. She didn't last night, but I, you would take a. I, you need to convince me that there was a better person in the squad to play instead of her. I, th- I thought the substitutions were good. You know, it's debatable what the start lineup should be, but the start lineup, what was the start lineup? So that that's done. But then I thought the substitutions were really, really mature in terms of bringing Joe Rourde on, getting control in midfield, seizing control back from France uh, from that first half, rather than France losing it. I would say that Netherlands regained it, uh, and then I thought leaving Pulova on. Pulova, I thought, had a really nervous first twenty minutes. But she grew into the game and I thought, do you take her off? Because she's actually been more effective than Van de Donk. But you still look at... It's hard not to look at the reputation. Van de Donk, Pulova. But he, he stuck with he stuck with the younger player and I thought I thought she had, a, she had a, quite a good game. And then bringing young Esme Brooks on for Van de Donk again. Really, really forward-thinking, brave substitution. You know, he wasn't being he wasn't being dictated to just by someone's name and reputation. So I thought it was a good substitution. I always felt there was a space for Damaris to play at some point. And yeah, I could see why he didn't do it, but maybe a braver decision would have been to get her on as a straight replacement for Spitzer. Yeah, we've been talking a lot about being brave, coaches being brave. Now, like we talked about before with uh, Sweden, uh, Sweden, for example, that we wanted some more cu- courage, perhaps, uh, bit when when you select players. Uh, I still wait to see Fridolina Rolfa as a wing back, maybe versus England. Who knows? Um, but then the penalty from Dominic Janssen, like caused by Dominic Janssen, it wasn't. So much to speak about. I mean, it was. She told, she said afterwards that she was scared uh, immediately that that wasn't good enough from her. But do, um, do you think France should be worried about the fact that they actually had, I think, thirty one shots on goal and they didn't score from open play, going into a game versus uh, against Germany now. Uh, I, I, I guess it depends. I mean, I, I, I think it's like almost like um, you know a self-fulfilled prophecy that if you are worried about it, it's something that you then should be worried about because it'll affect your nerves going into the game. I think probably if I'm the coach, which, which I'm not, and <laughs> that's not really who I am, but let's you know that's what I do. I pretend I'm those people. But if I was the coach there, I would try to just you know kind of convey a sense of calm, right? Like that doesn't normally happen. Teams don't normally have 31 shots on goal amount to, I think it was like 2.5 to three expected goals, you know, over the course of that and not score. Right. What I want, what I would want is a team that can consistently get those positions, produce the chances, and then just have faith in my players that they can execute in the final moment. Right. I mean, this is tournament football. It happens all the time where it doesn't, and that's just the nature of it. That's why we love tournament football. And that's why it's exciting. I might be more worried in the sense that, well, we'd expect Katoto to be the one to finish those chances. And that might, you know, you know, there, there might be a sense in the squad that, Oh, we don't have that player. Um, but you know, it's not like Mollard is, is a bad finisher. It's not like Mollard, you know, doesn't score goals. I, I would just go in thinking, let's try to replicate what we did in terms of our chances. I would actually be more worried defensively, even though ultimately the Netherlands didn't have that many chances. But what I did see was a France that I thought didn't look that solid against the ball. And 
that was part of what happened in the second half, maybe with Rourke coming on, who is a player who's, who's quite skilled at finding seams, at finding spaces between the lines, you know, playing off of someone that that contributed to the Netherlands kind of coming back into it. But very passive, mid-block, easy to access space between the lines, in my opinion. And if, Fran- if Netherlands had been more incisive, if some of their switches had come off, some of them just went straight out of play, I think it could have hurt France more. I, I don't know if that's just because they felt like the result was inevitable, but I do get the sense that they're so good on the ball and they're so good attacking wise that when they get into that block, it's just a second thought for them where they're like, we're just going to get the ball back. So we don't necessarily need to lock in that. That'll be a problem, you know, versus Germany, right? I mean, they will really punish you if your defensive structure isn't solid. So that's what I'd be worried about if, if I was France over, over finishing woes, which usually, you know, you wouldn't expect something like that to repeat. Although with Sweden and Spain, it, they, they might beg to differ. I'm, I'm going to let you to speak for either team now. Willie, why, why is Germany going to win against France? I think they will, they will not have the difference in performances that France show over a 90-minute game. Germany will play the full game at a level that will not drop off I think their midfield balance will be not necessarily better, more effective than the French midfield. I think last night it was Giora's quietest game and I think she's a tremendous, tremendous player, but I think last night it was her quietest game. I don't think, uh, I don't think that German midfield three have quiet games. I just think they dominate and suff- potentially suffocate their opponents because they've got such a great balance. And uh, I think it'll be the midfield that wins the game. Um, why will France beat Germany? Well, this is tougher for me because I do favour Germany. <laughs> um, but More fun. In term- yeah, for fun. Um, I mean, well, France, I mean, they have that type of quality. I don't think there's a better offensive team in the tournament. I, I think France are the best offense. Obviously, that dims a little bit with Katoto out, but because so much is about the wide combinations and the speed and fluidity, like when I see what happens on the left-hand side, it happens in a way that makes me think, why doesn't everyone else do that? Which obviously is a ridiculous thing to ask, but they make it look so easy and there's the synergy and the speed and the intensity with which they go about it always shocks me, right? And it's it's really, it's like, why isn't the one-two happening and why doesn't the fullback? But it's Karchawi, Cascarino, Gayoro, like they can do those things because they have such good understanding of each other. And they also have that intent and motor to just take off as soon as the pass is played. It's always pass, move, pass, move. And it's always stable because people are filling in the spaces, right? That someone vacates and all that. So I don't think any team in Europe quite does it like them. And no matter how good you are defensively, it's going to be tough to stop. I think, I think it needs to be very specific because it's not just congesting that side. How do you then do it all the way so that they're not able to switch, right? Can you execute that trap on the wing that the, that the Netherlands were unable to, or is there something else entirely that I'm not seeing that would work as a defensive strategy? We'll see. I think Germany, honestly, besides maybe Sweden defensively would be the best teams to be able to take on that challenge of France. France hasn't really been pressed, right? What would happen if you go out and press them really well and deny, you know, time on the ball for those center backs and stuff like that. But there's just a lot to have faith of, have faith in, in terms of these basic attacking mechanics for France. And I think they'll always be able to, to, to find chances. I mean, no one has been able to stop Diani one versus one, you know, how is that going to work out? So yeah, they just have a lot of offense there that, that is always going to give them a chance. Will it, will the game versus uh, when they play Germany will that be the first game that could potentially see France without Lesomer and Henri? Yeah, yeah I think uh, I mean that's probably highlighted even more so with Kato Thomas and I think Lesomer might have been you know I think Lesomer can play anywhere across the front line and, and in the ten but I think when Katoto's missing she would have been a good a good replacement. Because everybody knows she'll do a certain job in the nine. I still think Malab is a little bit inconsistent. Uh, I still think she's trying to find out what her best position is. I think it's really only this year that she's played nine more than the, the previous seasons. But yeah, I think listen, I, I think Henri would be a miss in any country's team. I think she's terrific, but she's she's not been in that French squad for a while now, so. I probably probably don't think it'll really be a talking point. If people want to have a go at Diakri, 
it'll be a talking point because they always bring that up when they want to have a go at her. Uh, but she's just she's just broken the broken the, the quarterfinal curse. So you've got to give a bit of credit to her, and she's done it without one of the world's best number nines. So uh, yeah, it'll be. Listen, I think as soon as the group stage is finished, we have been we we have been spoiled with a level of games. The quarter, the four quarterfinals have all been fascinating in their own way. Either because the small teams really raised their levels and caused problems for the for the for the, the favourites, but all quarterfinals for me were really top top high level games, which could have went one way or the other, and uh, and I think we're going to get that with the semi-finals as well. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, and and I was just thinking about it this morning uh, that we haven't seen any big big numbers uh, like in losses and goals and 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 that's we like that in in knockout football that it being very competitive in their own way um like so let's see let let's hope it stay that stays that way um through the semifinals oh i'm gonna let you predict uh, germany france what's the scoreline it's gonna be uh, i think 2-1 to germany it's as well say Goal scorers. Oh, uh, um, let's say Renard from a set piece because that seems to be the other thing I forgot to mention. No one has been able to stop her from getting her head on the ball. And then goal scorers for Germany. I think Svenja Hoot. And this is just this is just because I've been a huge Overdorf fan this entire tournament. Let's just say she scores a screamer from twenty five yards out and puts it in the top corner. Uh, that should be what I like to see. I don't know if that's a likely thing to happen, but well, let's go with that. <laughs> but 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 that that means it's going to be three one because Pop will no, score. Alex oh Pop- yeah, that's true. That's true. Have to change Pop it. Will score. <laughs> <laughs> with that well, that's one thing you can be sure of. Alexandra Pop to to score to the rescue. Maybe let's see. Well. um Let's end this um, with with those words. Three one Germany. Alex Pop. Uh, Lena Oberdorf, Svenja Hut and Wendy Renard, you know what to do. <laughs> uh, thanks for being on here with us, Ohm. Uh, hope you enjoy your time in England and, and the football uh, live. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And thank you, Willie. We'll see you uh, after the semifinals are played again. Or hear you. Yeah, look forward Maybe to a better choice of wording. <laughs> I don't know. You can drive now. That's fine. <laughs> Speak to you later. Okay, look forward to it. Speak <laughs> Have to you a later. great afternoon. <laughs> you too. Bye bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 